Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, <laughs> August. That was a little too good morning Vietnam uh, than, I, uh, than, I, <laughs> than I intended it to be. Uh, it's Monday, August 5th, 2019. Um, you're listening to Waypoint Radio episode 253. I am not your host, Austin Walker. Um, he is... Uh, well, at the time, we're recording this on a Thursday, so hopefully nothing big happens Hold on. now. It's Hold on. Monday. Hold on. It's Patrick? actually Friday. Friday. It's, it's Friday. It is... <laughs> Friday. I got Fuck, I Yeah, me too. I looked up and like, like, oh no. god, what? Can't do I thought I was one. going on vacation tomorrow. Can't do another one of these. You, are, you are not. <laughs> like, the, that would be like the, the worst time loop to be in is, is that you just repeat the same day, like the same right. boring day at work every day before you go on a vacation. Yep. Like the one where you're anxious, you don't get a lot done, uh. you're just doing the minimum so that no one yells at you, but that's the day you repeat over There and is over a Farscape again. episode god. about this. Called About Thank God going It's Friday Again. No, it's called Thanks God It's Friday Again. It's an early first season episode where every day it, they like overwork the workforce and everybody is constantly believing that the next day is Saturday. It's always Friday. It's Friday forever. Just letting you know. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> you know? But uh, in that in that construction, Friday is a day where you're like, man, it's the last day of the week. Time to give it my all and finish strong. Yeah. Whereas the reality that's, would yeah, be that's like, not thank God it's like the the right. 2019 version of that episode <laughs> is like people showing up and being like, I don't really want to get this done. They're this just week. on Twitter. Yeah, I need to. Yeah, I just let's <laughs> let's start next week strong, guys. And you just repeat that every <laughs> yep. every day, every meeting. Well, it's, uh, though you know, here to help me finish this week strong because we're recording this on a Friday. We don't Woo! normally do that. Uh, are the, the voices of Rob Zachary, Danielle Riendo, Ricardo Contreras. Um, and I, honestly, I just want to just jump in. Uh, Danielle, you wrote uh, a piece that went up this morning um, yes. about outer worlds. Yes, worlds. Well, I checked that headline like five times. <laughs> I know. I was like, like am I sure we got this right? Worlds. Uh, I won. There's got to be at least one publication that got it wrong or published it, realized it was wrong. Like Twitter told them like, huh? And then they think like, that's unfortunately going to be a thing. Yeah. Especially because I haven't played uh, Outer Wilds. I played like a half an hour, but then I just got swamped by other stuff. I'm going to play it before the end of the year because too many Same. people have said it's like yeah. one of my favorite, one of their favorite games ever where it's like, okay, I'll go find the time. But Outer Worlds, which comes yes. out, it's not that far away. It comes out in October. October just 25th. got announced. Yeah. Uh, for Switch, it's coming out after um, the initial launch. But yeah, this is the new sort of like Fallout style game from Insidi- uh, Obsidian that is yes. being published in conjunction with a label under Take Two called Private Division. But is Obsidian is now owned by <laughs> Microsoft, right. so to untangle that <laughs> web. But you had a you had a chance to play a couple of hours. So let us. Yeah. What did you think? 
Yeah, it's uh, so first and foremost, uh, the game is very much gameplay wise, it, just a Fallout. Like that's that's they're pretty straight up about that. The uh, the designer Brian Hines that I I got to speak with at the event. Uh, kind of said, we've got Fallout in our bones, like was the way that he explained <laughs> it, which is cute. I, I liked that quite a bit. But like gameplay-wise, beat to beat, it feels like a, a modern Fallout, like a Fallout 4 type of game where it's, you know, you start out with your attribute points, you decide what you want to, you know, specialize in. I, I'm not supposed to talk about the beginning of the game because it's like a really cool conceit, but just know that it's a cool conceit, but it is the same general thing that you're doing. <laughs> Under embargo, cool conceit. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, it, it, it is cool and uh, Patrick, you you saw a bit that I had to actually cut from the the piece that was like a, mm -hmm. a funny bit, but but just know that like it's all actually in keeping with this type of world with this type of gameplay. You do your attribute points. It's a it's a you know first person three D RPG with shooting, and the shooting is you know as always kind of has a dice roll behind it, and you you know uh, equip things that sort of beef off your uh, your attributes, your weaponry, your armor, everything, everything, everything. So that's it's, it's a modern Fallout game. It's a modern Fallout game. Yeah, completely. But, but I, the, I think like in reading in reading your preview, uh, yeah. one of the things that you mentioned was that you have not, unlike I think a lot of the other people uh, you know here, have not particularly gotten into Fallout Three, Fallout Vegas, Fallout Four. Yeah. I, I didn't care for Fallout Four at all, despite playing it for fifty hours, just hoping it would hook <laughs> me. But Fallout yeah. Three is one of my favorite games of all time. Got me into open world games. New Vegas is probably a better game, but I just happened to play it after three. But you sure. specifically said there was something about this one that felt like maybe the Fallout game for you. So I yes. was curious if you could kind of unpack a little bit more about like what is it specifically about this one that kind of yeah. got you interested? Yeah, 100%. Um, so I, I would say like I, I actually never played New Vegas, which probably would be the one that I might be interested in. But you, yeah. Oh, yeah. You Bounced absolutely – someday. Yeah, one day. Do download it, like <laughs> stack it with a bunch of like really good mods, like update yeah. the visuals and, and – and fix some of the New bugs of that game. New Vegas, the quintessential, like, someday you gotta play that, though. <laughs> like, sure. That but, like, it, but it, it totally is worth doing. Like, yeah. I, I mean, no, I, I totally agree, but I think it's everybody's like, oh, man, that's on my shelf. It's been there for a while. Yeah. And, like, I'd love to read it, but, like, also, apparently, I need to mod it before I can really, <laughs> like, you know. That, you gotta like, go in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You gotta be ready. Put the diving bell on, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, this absolutely. So it's a different IP. Like they're making their this is their own new kind of sci-fi comedy IP. And the whole thing, the whole world, the whole conceit is that there are colonies in the outer worlds, the outer wild worlds, whatever. Uh, and they're all corporate owned. Everything is a company town. Like there are like nine corporation mega corporations that just own everything, and everybody is just sort of like slowly dying under the will of all these corporations, even though all the characters that you talk to will like have the corporate slogan. Like they have to say spacer's choice. Like even if they're literally like dying from a gunshot wound, they're like, it's, it might not be the right <laughs> choice, but it's spacer's choice. Like they, it's very, very <laughs> hilariously like smirking anti-corporate every, every piece of this uh, in every way, even down to like the flavor text on items. So every item you can buy is from one of these corporations, basically. Uh, there's one that uh, uh, Brian Hines was talking about being like, everything's like, it, it started as a candy company. So everything is like bright, insane day glow colors. Even like the stealth armor is like bright, like fluorescent colors and everything. Cause it's, that's their brand. They had to stick with their brand. Uh, even down to, there are some really like actually pointed exchanges that I had. You have two companions, 
I think throughout the game, obviously they were a little cagey about whether or not that changes at some point, but through pretty much all my playthrough, I had two companions and they started talking about like how bad labor conditions were in their company town. Like, oh, oh, you know, we always had eight hours to sleep. It wasn't always consecutive. Like, it's just the way they talk about things. And the other person was like, I had weekends. And my, my other companion was like, weekends? Like, the way she, this line delivery is like, weekends? Like, oh, my God. Uh, and it very much felt like both this is refreshing to see in a game with, you know, a pretty decent budget, certainly, uh, and these kinds of mechanics. You know, you're running around, you're shooting, you can do stealth, you can do all the the cool things you can do in this type of game, but with this really, really sort of pointed view on labor and on what corporations do to people and how they kind of can warp people in interesting ways. And I got some quotes also from... Uh, from Heinz on labor, uh, you know, because at the Waypoint way, you know, we, we like to ask these questions. Um, and he had some really interesting answers. He talked about, like, being a Is that our corporate slogan? Like, if we became a megacorp, the, <laughs> the Waypoint way, way? Did you just reveal, like, yeah. the... Great. Like, the... I did. When, we, when, when we're all, you know, when we're all <laughs> laid off, when, like, there's a big, massive corporate consolidation, it's, like, five years later, yeah. the Waypoint way. Like, the that's way the way, way that would be rebranded. <laughs> I think like, that's the name of our guerrilla movement uh, that, like, <laughs> has taken to the hills. Yep. Uh, the Waypoint Way. Uh, we're yeah. all wearing that green, the, like, you know, the pastel green, and we're all like, it's the Waypoint Way. That's exactly, that's how it's going to mm -hmm. be. Yeah, it's really, uh, he gave me some some good answers about, like, what it's like to work at Obsidian and how bad it is in lots of parts of the industry. It was very much like a, yeah, things, things were, from what he said, conditions were, uh favorable at Obsidian uh, for making this type of game. And, and you know, uh, I got the idea that part of it is that they weren't trying to reinvent the wheel mechanically or anything like that. It's like, hey, we know mm -hmm. kind of what we're making and we can just go all in on like the art style and on sort of on the humor and on this sort of sarcastic view of corporate culture, uh, which was pretty fun. So, yeah, that was it was a really good time. I'm really looking forward to it. It wasn't even really on my radar because again not having like that much affinity for the fallout series i don't dislike it or anything it just uh, i've always bounced off i was just kind of like oh yeah, whatever that's fine and now i'm like oh yeah i, I i'm in it to win it i definitely want to see where they go it's also very beautiful it's not something i i talked about too much because the, the preview i wrote was pretty just kind of short and focused on those aspects but it looks a little bit like the there's parts of this world that look very much like the the you know, revamped No Man's Sky, like really kind of gorgeous, terraformed alien worlds that you're kind of on and exploring. And of course, even there's even story value to like the creatures that you encounter in you know, whatever the wasteland version, the terraform land is here. And it's like, oh, yeah, terraforming went wrong. These are all like, you know, normal flora and fauna. And then uh, whatever horrible corporation <laughs> was in charge of the terraforming screwed something up and uh you know, that's why the animals are mad at you, too. So it's like <laughs> there's there's this nice uh, narrative coherence throughout the whole experience, at least from what I've played thus far. I think there's like a real opportunity for this game because uh, the Fall brand is still enormously popular. Fall Forward sold a ton. Yeah. Um, it, but I, I bounced off it despite the fact that it was should have been a game that was tailor made for me. Yeah. Like in a large part because the, I didn't connect to the storytelling uh, both on the side quests and in the main quest, like none of it, like I kept, I put 50 hours into it thinking, oh, if I just, well, I'll just wander off in this direction and yeah. I'll find something that like reminds me like w w why I fell so hard for Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas. 
Um, and it just wasn't there. Like, and I just couldn't, I couldn't find it. And eventually I just had to sort of hang it up and realize like another 50 hours, even if I find a couple of side quests that like reminded me of that, like, it's just not worth it. Like there are better things to do with my time. And I, you know, I think on some level, uh, what's happened to fallout is I think something we've, I'm not sure if we've discussed it much on the podcast, but it's something that's been in various editorial pieces about how, but that seems to have like kind of like politics and the way these, like the satire that fallout as a franchise began with has like become more and more lost and amorphous and weird as Bethesda has continued to work on the series. And, you know, that is, you know, I think best highlighted by a game like Fall 76 making like game modes out of like the droppings of nuclear bombs yeah. in which like the center of the Fallout universe is like was supposed to be like the terrifying nature of, of like these um, these devices. And it just seems like it's been used more for humor and and goofiness in a way that um, I think is indicative of other ways the franchise has lost me um, in especially with four and, and definitely with 76. And so with this game, I they've already been like very communicative that look, it's not going to be as big yeah. as a Bethesda game. Like ch- keep your expectations in check. Like this is not going to be like, Oh, we're not, they're not gonna put out a press release. that says like, it's good. It would take you five hours to walk from one end to the other. Like it's right. not, it's a much denser, much more uh, uh, focused game. It's, it's big, but not the, the kind of big that I think we've come to expect from, you know, the Assassin's Creed odysseys and, and the faults of the world. And I, uh, you know, I think we've also, Mentioned how, uh, you know, it's any game that deals with colonialism, even if it's trying to be uh, pointed about it, is potentially going to uh, have some missteps along the way. But it does seem very much like they are putting a certain type, a certain type of satire, a certain type of uh, political thought front and center, and they're dropping that into a world that is relatively focused, especially when stacked against what we talk talk about for yeah. other open world games. And that may provide an opportunity for them to do storytelling that I think is appealing to you here. Yeah. That is, that can get me back in like they can like, I, cause I still love these types of games, but I don't necessarily trust Bethesda as much with it anymore. And so I think there's a real opportunity for someone to come in and say, like, we're going to do a smaller scoped version of this that just has way more of like what people have been, you know, certain types of people have been looking for. And I think it can find like an audience that way. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I I had a really really good time with it uh, in the, in the time I was there. So, I'm yeah. It, it went from not being on my radar at all to being like one of the things I'm probably most looking forward to this fall, which is quite yeah. It's like, of something. all the games coming out this fall, yeah. it'll be like the one I'm the most bummed about if it got delayed. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. That's that's my outer outer wild worlds. Oh, yes, Rob. I mean. I guess the thing that makes me hesitate a little bit or that I'm curious to know more about is to what degree is there's a lot of media that likes to style itself anti-corporate, but fundamentally isn't that isn't in, isn't anti-corporate in terms of it has an interest in describing structural problems or attacking underlying uh, structural issues or mindsets. Saying it's like, it, that, it's that aesthetic as opposed to right. right. Like, else. yeah, exactly. Like, I think there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of like trash out there uh, <laughs> that, that would have branded itself. Like, I think, uh, you know, South Park, you, we, you often have said, Oh, that's kind of, that's kind of edgy and anti-corporate too. Right. But, it, but it's really not right. Right. 
to what degree is to what degree does this feel like it is going beyond sort of spray painting a uh, you know, McDonald's is president, uh, you know, sign on the, uh, you know, on a wall. McDonald's, in McDonald's, McDonald's. Yeah. Yep. There you go. I, I mean, obviously I, I, I've only played a couple hours, but it seemed to me that this game is interested in having real conversations about structure and labor practices. If nothing else, like the exchange that happened mm-hmm. with my sort of companions made me feel like, oh, at the very least, this is made by people who actually really do care about these issues from a very base level from a very like personal level in terms of yeah these people uh they're really suffering and they're willing to talk about it in, on on a certain level um whether it's going to take that next step and actually be like about unionizing or overthrowing these corporations or, or doing something on a systemic level obviously it's a, it's a comedy video game so i don't know if it's gonna you know end in uh a right. <laughs> hundred hours of sitting across the table with the board and like yeah. well, I don't think you know that kind of thing, that, but but like it, it it is yet to be seen if it goes all the way in that direction. Certainly, but I I have at least some faith from this uh, experience that I had with it that it it's its politics are are pointing towards the right place as opposed to just you know throwing some paint on something. Yeah, fingers uh, crossed. Yeah, I, I guess that's- <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, it's like impossible to know from a preview, yeah. right? Like, you know, yeah. you don't know how those quests are going to finish. You don't know what like the consequences of those quests are going to be. So like I understand uh, Rob's hesitation in which like, sure. wow, what's like a what's like a great way we could craft a game that would do really well with like the media and like mm-hmm. would get us a lot of attention. And it's like something like that. Sure. No, I'm, I am not trying to suggest like course, that yeah. level of like deep cynicism to why this was made. But um, it is sort of like specifically tailored for in a, in a, in a, in a world where a lot of media really don't go to do preview things anymore. Like this is the type of game that is like catnip for, oh, for sure. like writing about ahead of ahead of its release. And so, um, I mean, it has the talent, and like I, I believe, it, I want to believe these people are not uh, just talking, but are going to walk this when they when when it when it comes out. Because I'm, it is a game that yeah, I'm. I guess regardless of, uh, I, I want to see how it lands myself, and I am yeah. at least uh, as you have said encouraged so far by how they're describing it. And I, I hope they stick the, the landing on it, but yeah, I'm, yeah. I definitely understand Rob's uh, concern of like, well, okay. It's like easy to raise, you know, put that into your billboards in the game. And then it's like, where, where do we actually land with some of these characters and, and the systems that are driving uh, this world? So yeah. Yeah. I'll I, be curious. I yeah. Say, that comes. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to no. say, I have to say it's always weird and interesting to be in a corporate boardroom talking about this stuff right like i was in the well yeah right the board not the boardroom but like a you know an office room with uh, the designer and and you know two pr people and i'm like hey so you know are you worried about corporate blowback and he was you know he's like oh no no no." you know generally the the flavor of that conversation was about like no we're we're punching in the right place you know we're not punching down we're punching up etc etc you know the kind of usual answer that you get but it is always like fascinating to be like we're talking about anti-corporate stuff in this gorgeous office in Midtown Manhattan. You know, like it is there's there is always that disconnect, right? It, it is certainly a product being made, uh, being published by a corporation. So there's, it's it's always there's always a tension there, no matter what, right? Well, I well, and I, it's always like this, there's this long-standing tradition in corporate media of you tolerate a degree of dissent, right? You sure. you, right. T- you tolerate. <laughs> 
a the perception of there being a uh, rich debate happening and there's there's room to dissent from the system and those debates are all well and good provided they don't actually like seem to be like pointing in the direction of anything that might meaningfully cause action or threaten that sort of corporate hegemony right so right. that's 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 the thing is it is so tough I think especially for a video game and the way those are produced and how they are financed to get beyond that kind of boy, super mega corpse. Those could be bad. Couldn't they? And it's like you, you, <laughs> but not you, our mega corp. Yeah. And <laughs> right. also you end up, because remember private division is a subdivision. Like they're pitching right. themselves as like an indie label, but they're funded by, Take two, like the publishers of Grand Theft Auto. Like, let's like, like not, you know, yeah. <laughs> like they are part of, in in video game terms, like the, the closest equivalent we have to a megacorp. Yeah, right. And I mean, and then Take Two's uh, entire balance sheet is underwritten by Rockstar Games, which routinely discuss things about, like, discuss things along the lines of uh, classism and exploitation of workers and. And yeah, and and Rockstar's own video games are like in if you you raised South Park before like Rockstar's satire is basically South Park like yeah. Yeah. I don't know how much they're like actually personally pulling from it but like the analogy is like very similar in which it's like <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, yeah middle fingers to everybody but actually like did you actually say anything and actually I think you're just punching down like mm, I don't think mm, okay so or yeah, or you're at least or you're at least taking a real world target and moving it sufficiently yeah down range where it can't like we're targeting it can't hurt any hurt yeah, anything yeah, yeah. but we're calling it fart book it's funny you know because it's like <laughs> Facebook Rob there you go um I actually Hi, can't Art. help but think of this conversation and at least want to uh uh point out this uh piece that was going making the rounds uh, this week from Louis uh, <laughs> uh, Manalo um, who was a uh, writer on uh, Ghost Recon uh, Wildlands yes. um, a game that um, by and large people liked the game quite a bit and but even people who really liked the game said that the writing was just uh, just atrocious just like and, and and a lot of video game writing is not particularly good but even in a world of m bad writing that Ghost Recon Wildlands managed to stand out <laughs> as being uh, like especially um, rough. It's a it's an essay that uh, called uh, "What to Do When Bolivia Hates You." It ran over at Games Industry Biz uh, a couple of days back. If you were on Twitter, there was almost no way to avoid <laughs> it or subtweets or shade uh, thrown at it. It's a um, interesting piece, uh, let's call it, um, in which the writer. Uh, attempts to write an essay that I think to their mind is responding to criticism of the writing of their game, but is actually just no engagement at all with the criticism of their game. And the reason I brought it up, the reason it just came to mind was because there's a line um, uh, in it where uh, don't underestimate your audience. What other others might tell them that the game has no politics, that it's political propaganda, or that it's just meaningless entertainment, the players will figure it out. Deep things and complex character development won't be for everyone, but if you put it there, the right players will find it. They'll think about it. They'll discuss it. And if they don't, at least give them a few la laughs. Write lines like shitballs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, the S, the S, I mean, whatever. The person, pro- person probably didn't write the headline on their piece, but the headline being what to do when Bolivia hates you. And then you don't actually engage with that question. <laughs> By Butch Cassidy and Sundance. Yeah, um, right? Um, so it doesn't help that there's some really rough writing in this, too. Like, there, like there's, there's a graph that I still can't parse. Um, I never said the writing and story were perfect, but it's a shame that so many reviewers dismiss the work because of their biased takes on its politics. I've written reviews myself and usually take your lead from the marketing and PR because it's what your audience has seen too. With a market with a marketing campaign focused on how much people would enjoy the game, reviewers and players weren't expecting anything more than mindless fun. In most games, the mission giver is never a terrible, vengeful human being. Your enemies are never loving parents. Your allies never have political views, let alone leftist views that your character might disagree with, and you definitely don't satirize machismo. Not in a video game. I don't know what he, is he claiming that's what he was trying to do is, is well right is, so like there right. he's he's claiming two things one that reviewers who shat on the writing and the game's politics were missing the fact that look the marketing was saying this is just mindless fun it's just a setting like we didn't think about it too much you shouldn't think about it too much but then immediately pivots to all of the like deep satire and commentary that was happening in the game, which would seem to undercut his original point that you shouldn't have been paying attention to it in the first place. <laughs> well, I think there's also an element. So there's a real defensiveness here about the game coming across as really ignorant and right. uh, kind of aggressively know nothing. And a major line of defense he's deploying here is that, first of all, he is a veteran with uh, military service on deployment. And also he did like firsthand research in uh, like coca growing regions. But what that seems to equate to is I was accurate about like the way it comes across as look, I was accurate about the military uniforms and equipment. Like I was accurate about the terrain, but there's, there's sort of a broader question of what, like, how is this, how is this story framed? What is it saying? Uh, what is its relationship to a real world and ongoing U S led uh, drug war that is kind of ravaged the Western hemisphere for, for decades. And there's kind of this, intentional obtuseness in this piece that, that really gets under my skin, which is that one, he just kind of the, one of the major objections to wildlands is it just turns Bolivia into both a sandbox for all kinds of military havoc, but also for a place where the worst excesses of, Mexican drug trafficking cartels and um, like Colombian narco conflict and aggressive U S military intervention could all be happening all at once. It just becomes a, it just becomes a, a set to be dressed with these trappings, but it also in, in doing that by removing it from places like Mexico and by removing it from places like Colombia, it also allows the game to kind of, wash its hands of there being any historical record hmm. around U.S. military involvement in these places or mm-hmm. or U.S. policy involvement in what's happening in these countries. Uh, it washes its hands of those questions and 
the, the answers to those questions may be having something to do with the setting for, uh, for, for what is happening in the, in the world. And then, of course, you, you have the presentation of anyone involved in the drug trade is basically a monster. Um, the, like, one of the first people you fight in that game are a pair of, like, what if the cartels hired Dr. and Mrs. Mengele to do, like, <laughs> fucked up military torture experiments on people? Wow. And it's, like, especially in Latin America, when you're talking about, like, when you're talking about anti-narcotics operations... You're in a growing region. What you're basically what you're basically doing is you're going after a cash crop. Like you are not like you are not like you are not going after Stringer fucking Bell or something like that or <laughs> yeah. Tony Montana. You're going yeah. after farmers. And that may be an uncomfortable reality, but it is the reality. And that is one of the reasons these conflicts are really ugly and bloody and brutal. And the question of is this even the right like is this even morally defensible to try to strike at the drug trade at the source when the source is somebody's farm, that becomes a really questionable prospect. And this, and this piece like sidesteps all of that by kind of framing it all in a really self-serving way. Well, it's just your biased politics, Rob, which I don't know what that means. I actually don't even know what that line is. I mean, it comes before a line in which he says, uh, which is really one of the, the best lines. Uh, well, he's making is, a claim uh, that because the marketing was like this yep. is mindless fun. People misread his serious satire as uh, offhanded, like 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 making fun of instead of satire, right? Like that's that which is well, he wants to have it both ways. Yeah, right? it seems like he's trying to like like <laughs> yeah, you're you're right. Like yeah, he wants to be complimented. He thinks he was the the, the writing was mis uh, was looked at in the wrong framing, right? Which I but also doesn't want to take like full ownership, like rather than engaging with just the criticism, it's more like we well, just looked at it the wrong way. Had you looked at it the right way? Yeah. Like I hung out with soldiers. Like I, I know how they talk. If like, only the marketing had been like, this is serious. Things would be different. Right. <laughs> I mean, but then you also have, you know, stuff like this where it's like, you know, he, he writes, uh, it didn't help that Donald Trump had just been sworn in yeah. as president. It didn't set a tone that welcomed a story of American interventionism, which is like, mm. friend, <laughs> It Bloody. didn't set a tone that welcomed a story of American <laughs> interventionism. Like God. you need to sit back and think about that line just like a little, like a little bit longer because like that alone, I think is illustrative of a worldview that meant whatever his intention, whatever framing you, like his own personal framing was already going to be objectionable no matter how much it reflected, you know, some measure of soldiers he hung around, people he hung around, they were able to establish some sort of like character flavoring that had an air of authenticity at the moment that you're like, damn, the real problem with Trump is he made it seem bad that America should go and meddle in foreign <laughs> affairs, which also is just weird because like one of his, like Trump's bad. One of his platforms is actually like, we should probably stop doing that shit. Like, <laughs> like, like it also like, it's just a very strange way to like set up like the rest of of what you're trying to say. It's also just it comes at a strange time. Like the context that this is appearing in is like what um, two months before the next game right. comes out. Like a sequel in which specifically 
they invented a, a fantasy island to go have all this happen so they could sidestep like a lot of this like we just look we just want to go have military island like we just yeah. want to have like we are john hammond we have cr- found our <laughs> own uh isla nublar and we are raising <laughs> wow. paramilitary okay you just had to drop that paramilitary huh? dinosaurs <laughs> yeah um, just hey while while we're talking about ghost recon to be clear i'm no casual fan of the <laughs> Ju- Jurassic Park cycle, I, I'm not sure saying say Ivan Nublar no. is like that's 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 like that's Jurassic Park 101. I'm I'm not gonna say I, you know, <laughs> we're not talking about differences between the Lost World, like the book, and like the right. the trash film, the Steven Spielberg. God, um, that book is uh, so good, and that tra- that movie. So it's so trash. much better. It's so violent too. It's just like do you want yeah. like you if you ever wanted like Jurassic Park a horror film, just go read the Lost World because yeah. it's just yeah. brutal. Um, anyway, yeah. But, uh, I don't know. It is, it is weird that it is weird to be like posting something that's defensive when you're about to put out a new game. And because he reveals he's a he's a he actually was promoted yeah. to a more leadership position mm-hmm. on more the American next game. Than that. It's <laughs> and like, failing because right like, it would be one all the way. It'd be all one the way thing to the top, like Trump. If, if if there's just an essay in which look, this was the framing I was going for. It was criticized. This is what I wanted to do. I feel like I was treated unfairly. I want to explain how I arrived at the tone and the context of the game. Also, I'm working on the new one. And what we learned from the first one was that, you know, like, yes, like setting it in a real world setting is inherently problematic to the point that it would be impossible to do what we're doing, like, with without that, like, hanging over. Like, none of that exists. He's just at the end, like, yeah, I failed upwards to, like, the next project. And, uh... <laughs> Middle fingers? And, like, <laughs> and there's, there's another element here, which is that everyone knows, basically, that the game succeeded, probably because if you were able to set aside all that context, it was pretty cool and fun. Yeah. Like, if you could, if you, like... There are like there are moments in that game. It is such a gorgeous looking game. Uh, it is so spectacular in places like I remember flying a helicopter over a firefight at night in a rainstorm, and it was incredible. It was like one of those uh, you know sea beams glittering type moments where I was like, God damn, this is incredible. But then you land and people start talking, and the context comes back in. It's just it's it's tough yeah. to keep putting up with, right? And so this notion that. Also, players figured it out. Players got it. Man, I don't know that they did. Like, I, I think <laughs> I think they did figure. They figured out. Look, the game's fun to play. Just ignore the other stuff and just focus on that. Like, I think yeah. that's what they figured out. I mean, like, I think there you you could argue that there was, and that there is a tendency to reflexively attack or dismiss something that a pro that approaches a controversial subject and doesn't immediately address it responsibly. Like if right. like, but if there is, if there is a deeper message buried deep in the heart of a 20 hour game, man, nobody finishes games. Mm-hmm. Like if, if the entire opening of the game is like, Man, Latin America is just fucked up, and you know these tatted up like <laughs> cocaine warlords—they can just take over a country, man. They can just take over a country, and you know what? The only thing that would prevent that from happening would be U.S. <laughs> special forces. <laughs> the boys from Fort Fuckers. Bragg will do what they've always done in Latin America, which is fix things. And it's like <laughs> that is a disgusting oh. premise. Yeah, yeah. 
There is a degree. Sorry, go ahead. I want to interrupt your point. Me? No. No. You're you're good. Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought there was a, okay. There's just a degree to which this essay leaves a bit of a bad taste in my mouth and does the sort of, I I don't know if this is going all the way to sort of dog whistle territory or, or sort of coded language territory, but a very us versus them premise again that that folks on the right tend to use and folks on the left use it too there's no there's nobody who's above that to a degree but yeah i you know maybe it's too touchy-feely to want uh this writer to contend with like the product that was actually out there and the reaction that actually came of it but it just feels so like i didn't get it man these these i'm gonna use a term content warning i'm gonna use a term here a derogatory term Okay, content warning. But like, oh yeah, all these pussy game reviewers just didn't get it, man. Like they just, you know, they're not understanding it. They don't understand what the real world is like. They've never fired a gun. They've never done all these things that just, ah, oh, it's, it's um, that degree of sort of stereotyping the other or, or the other side of the table or the other side of the coin is so frustrating. And it just feels like this essay is steeped in that, in that sort of idea. I, I pick up on a little I, I do pick up on a little bit of that like particularly the particularly the bland, the idea that people just couldn't look beyond their biased politics and then right. a weird nod toward you don't find any leftist shit in a game like this I don't know what's going on there <laughs> right. at the same time here 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 is why something like this is going to mimic sort of right wing grievance politics uh, whether or not it actually belongs in that genre is because there is a tendency when when you're being criticized for a thing you created, people get really defensive. Mm-hmm. And sort of a belligerent defensiveness is kind of the quintessence yeah. of right-wing discourse and politics. Sure. But this could also be a context of someone who did their best and was proud of their work. And everyone was like, dude, this fucking sucks. <laughs> but yeah, true. after two years, you also need to be able to be bigger than that, right? Like, I totally, like, if this had come out two weeks later mm-hmm. and was like, hey, you know what? Fuck you. I worked really hard on this. I busted my ass researching it. I would still say, well, you're wrong. Like, sorry, like, you still, you still basically, you still probably failed. But I'd be like, I get where this person's coming from. This would be an enormously painful thing to, yeah. you put your it's work out. It's a painful and public process where, yeah. like, every review yeah. about a game, this is like, so, the gameplay part, pretty, pretty cool. And then every review pivots to, but man, the right, like, because <laughs> this, this was a central, be- this was a beating drum about this game. Yeah. It wasn't like a couple of reviewers made it, like, their thing. It was like, across the board, it was like, the writing on this game is like so bad that it rises to the point that we need to comment on it and like drag it through the mud. So it's like, I, yeah, Rob, you are absolutely right that like it was understandable why someone would feel defensive because basically their primary job was this part, and people are saying you did you did it poorly, <laughs> you did it badly. Yeah. yeah. What's scary about something like this coming out is in two years, it's oh, you just been stewing over that. Because then, because if you are always just sitting there pissed off, you're not learning, right? Like one of the really infuriating things, and this is why I try, I try with mixed levels of success first not to reply to too much direct criticism because I don't like, because I just, I need to take it in and like listen Mm -hmm. and think about it. But 
I am not going to have, I'm not going to be able to tell at first glance the degree to which it has merit or the degree to which someone's being an asshole. I can't tell those two things, especially now in the heat of the moment. But I do tend to think about, and I think it's human nature to dwell on ways we've been criticized over time, uh, justly or unjustly. But in the process of meditating on that, you need to be able to come to grips. You, you need to be able to draw a distinction between here are the things that I'm going to take from take take from this that are going to uh, serve me well. Here are the things that I was justly criticized on. Here are the valuable lessons from this experience that I'm going to take. Then the other thing you have to do is you you do eventually have to say I am comfortable with the approach I took in this area. And while I, you know, people may criticize that they well, may, they may have, have a valid, like there's plenty they of, have valid they have a valid point. Yeah. I'm just choosing to set. I like, I have examined it. I have thought about it. I, I acknowledge the viewpoint, but because of X, Y, and Z or because, yeah, like you're right, I'm yeah. comfortable. I'm going to set it to the side and yeah. proceed. That's different than just saying like, just putting up a middle finger and being like, you know, F it. Like this, that's you considering a criticism and then choosing to you place it in a different spot in sort of like your value hierarchy. And I think the final thing here is uh, Kato and I interviewed somebody from the Wildlands team, uh, not sorry, the Breakpoint team Breakpoint at team. E3. Yeah. And we tried four different ways uh-huh. to get them to like talk about the game's politics, but one of the things now that makes a lot more sense is they kept returning it to respect for troops, like authenticity for like the military experience. Yeah. And that's a really narrow definition of authenticity. And it's also is the fact that soldiers have a macabre sense of humor or get desensitized to violence. Is that something that we should be like deeply respectful of in fiction? Is that something we should be like, is that something we should recreate? And then say, well, you know, that's just how that's just how soldiers are. Uh, so I've been reading this. I'm reading this series right now. Um, perhaps inevitably, there's a sci-fi series called Hammers Slammers, which I put off reading for what? ages because the title's dumb it's, as can hell. Can you what, Rob? Yeah, okay. Hammers Slammers. So we're gonna do this. <laughs> Hammers Slammers. I'm going somewhere with this. Just is it just is it a possessive? Like does, yes, it's hammers. Okay, okay. All right. uh, okay. okay. <laughs> he's taking. I just want to point out he's taking his glasses off. Yeah, and he's yep. rubbing Sorry. his face. I'm taking my gunners off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> gunners. Um, I'm a true gamer, and I needed to maintain a healthy microclimate around my eyes and gunners, uh, cut down on uh, yep. bad blue 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 light. So hammer slammers is a military sci-fi uh, series by, oh gosh, um, I'm going to look it up real quickly here. Sorry about that. It's it's not an autobiographical by Hammer, J.D. Hammer? No, no it's, it's by an author uh, called David Drake, and it is military science fiction. And I've never read it because, like, the title just sounded so absurd. It's just <laughs> yeah, like, I, know, I was sure. like, no way this yeah. is good. second time. <laughs> I just want to point out that I don't know if it'll show up on the recording, but, like, the second time you said it, seriously trying to set this up, I could just faintly hear Kato giggling, yep. like maybe trying to maintain himself, but unable to do so. Yep. So I'm trying to work out how I feel about this because there is something compelling about it. David Drake was an author who served in an armored regiment in Vietnam and was part of the was attached as an intelligence officer. And 
Hammer Slammers is pretty like it's pretty clearly informed by his experience in Vietnam. And there is something kind of compelling about these stories, but also these are very much stories about uh, desensitization to violence, uh, dehumanization of the enemy. Routinely, the protagonists of these books are committing like horrific war crimes as part of, well, we're fighting an insurgency. So this is, this is just how, like, this is just how it is. And I like, I'd never known this about this series. So like, I'm, I'm kind of like shaken by how popular this is and I'm reading it and I'm like, did they just wipe out a village? Cause that seems bad. <laughs> and, but in this series, one of the things that it keeps coming back to is, well, these are the guys who these guys, these are guys who are serving in ugly conflicts, and this is just how they are. This is the reality of being uh, a frontline soldier in a brutal uh, guerrilla warfare or in a regular conflict or something like that. And I think there's value in portraying that, but what I don't find value in is then using that grain of reality as then a defense for the characters or what they represent. The fact that like, man, like soldiers like, you know, could see some really messed up shit on deployment and just stand there joking. Isn't really an argument for the fact that a game should adopt their perspective. It is maybe an argument that we shouldn't judge characters too harshly for acting that way. Like at, like as portrayed, but a game needs to, be separate from that, right? It needs to sort of train the camera on that phenomenon and not go behind the soldier's eyes and be like, oh man, that guy got fucking wasted. Because then you are just perpetuating uh, a really distorted and violent lens. And I think this is the other part of this article that sits really poorly with me is this idea that, oh, well, if that's authentic to a U.S military officers real like lived experience then it's fine then 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 we're all good it's it's defensible military conflicts don't just involve armed us uh <laughs> soldiers like other people are affected by this too and it's really irresponsible to say look man this is this is what i saw and this is the reality from this one narrow group of people and then fuck everyone else. They can be abstracted away. Their scenery. Like, admittedly, this is how U.S. foreign policy operates a lot of time. Like, so this yeah. is how this country tends to describe these conflicts. But we shouldn't. Right, but it's not, it's not a game that's putting, like, placing that part yeah. in. It's not, like, telling you, like, oh, this is how it <clears throat> operates. And thus, yeah, right, yeah, This yeah. isn't reporting. Is, how, how? It, it's not a documentary. It's not reporting. This is, yeah. like, a a work of fiction with a point of view that can choose what point of view it has and what it's saying. Yeah. How divorced is that from Tom? Like how different is that from Tom Clancy's own like original text? Like I've never read any of his books. My entire interactions with Clancy are like starting with rainbow six in like the late nineties. But, Oh um, man. Um, do you like have any sense of like how oh, far are we from where I Tom do. Clancy started and where yeah. like rainbow six, are we honoring the legacy journey. of Tom Clancy? But no, um, I just no, like but, no, but, what, what, what was his adoptive framework? Is it actually all that different than like where we are at with something like Wildlands? Um, before we get into that, actually, I feel like I heard Kato starting to say something a couple times, so I just want to make sure I'm not stepping on Kato. No, you're good. We've, we've been, 
All right. <laughs> um, so Clancy has an arc that he follows. Uh, like the first book that he writes is Hunt for Red October. And that is kind of a naval pot boiler about Jack Ryan, the clever analyst who figures out that this Russian sub captain is, uh, is defecting. And the initial run of books are like thrillers in a way, but they do try to be somewhat grounded in realism by the end of the books his the Clancy verse has become really fucking weird. Uh, all the characters you met along the way across like 30 years of cold war and post war, post cold war policy are like running the country. Jack Ryan is president like twice. <laughs> That's um, right. Oh my God. No, man, it's, it's wild. Uh, I didn't realize that he actually like maintained the continuity and like had a shared universe. Yeah, no, the, yeah. So Jack Ryan, uh, so in, in the Clancyverse, <laughs> there is a CIA assassin named John Clark. He's introduced in another story called, oh, I don't remember. It's basically uh, Death Wish, but with more heroin <laughs> dealers and <laughs> oh, good. Like a Vietnam vet instead That's of mild-mannered Charles Bronson. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but so Clark's introduced in this story where he's like, damn, drug dealers murdered my girl. I got to kill everybody in like Washington or something like that. And later on, he appears in other Jack Ryan novels as the CIA assassin. And then he pops up as the founder of Rainbow Six. And voila, we have the games. Oh, wow. Uh, so like there is there is a bridge from the novels into the game universe. Um but in terms of how far we've strayed, we've gotten pretty far because Clancy books were also political fantasies and they were a little bit about like they were in love with technology. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing that Ubisoft really focuses on is Clancy was enamored of uh, military technology in the late Cold War. But he also was interested in bureaucracy and political constraints, usually in kind of the sort of semi-fascist, boy, if only we could take the gloves off and really really get things done. I think probably the most instructive book to look at on this front is um, A Clear and Present Danger, which Mm. is basically Clancy saying, you know what we should do is just send Delta Force down to Columbia and have them level all the coca, the coca plantations and kill all the drug lords. <laughs> and what's interesting is in that book, it's kind of presented as a reckless and terrible thing that the president has done to do that because it's completely unauthorized. Um, it is, it is just kind of a revenge for revenge's sake uh, type strike. But at the same time, the book is also like, but man, who would win a bunch of like a bunch of cartel foot soldiers or a dozen Delta Force operatives? And the entire book builds toward a dozen Delta Force operatives versus like a thousand uh, cartel soldiers. My my favorite Marvel. What if, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like. (laughs) Look, at, at age 13, I was like, this is fucking awesome. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but 
the but it's, it's it's very much this sort of glamorizing idea of oh one special forces operator is worth a thousand uh you know drug runners and gunmen and i'm like is he though <laughs> <laughs> like for real uh by the way the only the only survivor of that uh, survivor of that battle think chavez wow well all right naturally you know, Rainbow Six's uh, uh, first combat leader. Right, right, oh. right. Oh, of course. Verse. Okay, all right. I'd, We've been clanced. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard enough about Tom Clancy. We're going to take a break. <laughs> we will come back. We're gonna we're gonna pivot to. Where's the division? You know, much. Oh, like, see that one? The, I don't oh. know. <laughs> oh, I actually don't know if it connects. However, I will say this: browsing on Wikipedia a few weeks ago. Oh great, sure. <laughs> so I was like, whatever did happen to like what's 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 happening in the world of Tom Clancy now that he's no longer in the world and <laughs> somehow I think Jack Ryan still is. Um yeah. and the answer is Jack Ryan had to stop being president unfortunately. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he turned well, he didn't turn over the office. We still live in a democracy, so somebody else was elected president. <laughs> but in the Clancy verse, people being in charge who aren't Jack Ryan, that's a disaster. That sucks. He's always got to come back. Of course. Yeah, like the sum of all fears is basically him being like, Bill Clinton's going to get us all killed. Bill Clinton is just the worst. Uh, <laughs> and if only if only Colin Powell would unseat him. That's basically that's basically sum of all fears. Anyway, so Jack Ryan is no longer president. Someone else uh -huh. is in charge. And this person, they're up to no good. And so Jack Ryan... Goes to like all his own co his old comrades who are like throughout the military and intelligence services and all that, and invites them to like a secret society. Oh god! Oh good. And yeah, no, like basically ja Jack Ryan creates like Mason Masonic oath keepers, and uh -huh. I think where the state of play is is that they might have to do something about this bad <laughs> and maybe, Or maybe they already did, and that's how he got reinstalled as president. But the point is, so there, there is precedent in that through line, that story, for there being this massive distributed network of, like, secret agents waiting activation hmm. by, in this case, the true president of, <laughs> of, of yeah. America, Jack Ryan. No! Good. Just so you know, he saluted on Amazon everybody. Prime. There was a salute there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I hope you enjoyed that break that just turned into <laughs> more um, Clancy vs. Talk. We're going to take a real break. We'll come back and talk about students loving but each other. But why shouldn't he be president okay. for a while? I mean, he saved uh, Prince Charles from IRA terrorists. Uh, he rescued <sighs> Cardinal from a Moscow airstrip. Uh, wow. He pulled he pulled Ding out of that uh, you know off that mountain in Colombia when no one else personally would, and exposed the pardon like he went there oh yeah oh okay well because he's yeah just an so analyst, okay so you know that's yeah why so he, he like oh oh he wasn't president at he, that point no so he and John John Clark teamed up and they're like we need to get our boys out of there from this illegal mission. Powerly 
when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. rescue pilot we'll just fly down to columbia wham bam into columbia pull our guys off that mountain it goes bad but jack ryan is like working the door gun and so jack yep. ryan yeah you know he gets in on the action right mm-hmm. it's like the hey jack hit him with that bit, minigun you know? yeah <laughs> yeah and we're back. Well, I hope you enjoyed our second break uh, into the Clancyverse. Um, we're going to take an actual break. I'm going to cut no, off everyone's no, no, mics. That was the break. Don't worry. That was the break? Yeah, we're back. Okay. All right, Kato. All right, we we're back. It. We did No, Kato, see, I was just trying to give myself an actual break. I'm just going to walk around the house for a little bit and just like <laughs> Oh, wait, did you need to actually You know how he was the first time, right? It's fine. No, he was fine, sworn in fine. as vice okay. president okay. like okay. seconds before 747 hit uh-huh. the Capitol building. Oh, no. During the State of the Union. Oh. Wow. Metaphors. Yeah, basically like Lone Survivor, just plagiarism. Just straight up plagiarism. Uh, yep. What were, what were we talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I was looking for it. There's no pivot to Fire Emblem. Kato. Hi. What's happened? What's happening to your you? Okay, so you're not speaking on of other political movements and protagonists yeah. who probably yeah. Speak, speaking of uh, ideals. Uh, yeah, yes. yeah. Kato's nobles. How's it going? Good. How how's your fucking empire? <laughs> <laughs> it's not yet. Yeah. So Sa- I mean, how save, goes the revolution and imperialism? <laughs> Good. Not bad. You know, it's all right. Uh, we just uh, we're about to fight a noble who's trying to rebel. There's lots of uh in your own yeah in no in the kingdom in the oh. the lion's oh, okay. place all right so and he's all like how many hours are you in now not not many I think I'm on like the third month I'm like ten okay I'm like ten hours in uh but I've been spending a lot of time uh running around not fighting yeah same also the fighting is not that hard yet I presume that's gonna ramp up at some point will. and. Maybe, uh, but yeah, like the first four fights or whatever that I've engaged in have been like, uh, I like, I one, I haven't used the rewind mechanic at all. I used it once just to be like, that's there, right? Like, that's like a <laughs> thing. Uh, like I had, like I had, I had a, a, an action in which like one of my characters like just missed. It just, that was going to set me back like a whole, whole turn on like right. optimizing like this fight. And I was like, nope, just rewind it. <laughs> Send it back. Swing again. <laughs> Uh, it missed again. The game did not allow me yeah. to like just re-roll Good. it. Uh, it probably computates that, and I probably should have at least moved the character over a square, um, so that the roll was different. But um, <laughs> wait, so how many? Yeah, like, I, how, are you only doing the fights at the end of the month, or have you been taking any of the in-between ones? I did. I, I've done two side missions. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, and then have otherwise just yeah spent a lot of time in Hogwarts, uh, <laughs> running around Good. and. Good. 
How, let me let, let me tell you. One, I feel so bad for Austin having reviewed this game without any guides out because the fetch quests in this game mm-hmm. are bullshit and they're not fun. And so I just have a guide up in my Wait, phone. Do you not? It's like okay. Do you not automatic? Do you not just talk to everyone? Like, well, I do, but then. Oh, you so, find you'll find something halfway through having yeah, talked like to while it. I'm exploring, I'll find like <laughs> like at one point yeah. I I like I talk to everyone, but then by the end of talking to everyone, I'd even though so like one of the ways you'll do these like fetch quests is you'll find some blue glowing object. It's like someone lost a tea set or whatever, and then it gives you some indication of like a character trait. But really, what most people do, which is what Austin did which is just the next time you're in a conversation, just spam all the lost items and see if they'll <laughs> grab one of them. And that's one way to do it. Yeah. The other way to do it is just to take all those lost items, pull up a wiki, and then just control F to whatever item is next. And just the, the game actually has a really nice... I would argue there's a um, third way to do it. Oh, Which is what? Talk to everyone enough that you, you know, really get to know them. And you can make the logical no. leaps at the uh, quest. Look, I don't need you. Like, <laughs> that is a very third way solution, indeed. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's Just the third path. Talk respectfully with people of different perspectives. <laughs> if only ghosts and offer whatever trash you found lying around. <laughs> yeah. Well, because like there's like there was one item that was like a perfume, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that must be uh, the lady who just wants to bone and fight. <laughs> I forget her name. <laughs> The uh, the other you know, teacher, the the other teacher. You know, a woman after my own heart. No, it's there, Rob. There are no assumptions being made about this woman. She is very clear about what she wants and what she is after. I respect her for it. There's no judgment here happening. But what's her name? Marlene Mar- Marlo? What? Who am I thinking of? Yeah, yeah the Kato. other teacher. I forgot her name. I've, I yeah, haven't internalized name. I've internalized like no pro, pro, uh, personalities to like their image but not their personalized portraits like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I know who it is when I see them right yeah um, <laughs> but uh, and so I had like some perfume and I was like oh that's gotta be her she seems like she's very she's very you know concerned with like how she looks like in a way that she's proud of how she looks and like that's like part of part of what she appreciates uh, about herself she the perfume was not hers mm-hmm. oh. and the, I, the moment that happened I was like screw it look up in the guide <laughs> uh-huh. I'm not doing this bullshit like don't care uh what was because all you, you don't, it's not like you get you don't get good at conversations out of it. Like it's not like all you're getting is just like a tiny little support, you know, yeah. up yeah. in the in the stat screen. So, um, but I have really enjoyed that part of it. Like I don't know if it's true for your house, but my house, um, nobody likes each other, oh. but they still love each other. So it's like they have these like side conversations where it's like fuck you, no fuck you, <laughs> support level up to C. And it's like, yeah! Uh, no, my house is pretty chill, and they like they seem to Man, no, get blah, along. Blah, yeah, <laughs> we're not getting a. Okay, I mean we get along. Let's discuss but like, approaches that you've uh-huh. taken here, because I'm really curious how Patrick ended up with like icy silence at the dinner table. And <laughs> oh, it's no, there's no icy silence. My, we speak, <laughs> we tell people what we think. But you're it sounds hate. like an um, Ita- such as my Hubert, Italian tell- family. You like, know, you 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 yell to show you, love a little bit. You know. Yeah, uh, it's not even yelling. Like, so Hubert, it's my hot emo, it's sniping, my hot Danielle. emo boy. It's way, way healthier. You know? <laughs> Good. Uh, 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 Hubert, my hot emo boy, yes. who's definitely listening to like Fall Out Boy and thinks he's way edgier than he actually is. <laughs> Complimenting, I forget who he's talking to. You have an almost unparalleled intellect, a singular focus, an unfettered 
imagination. Hubert is just ready. He's down to clown. He's ready. Like, let's go. Uh, it's just, yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying the characters a lot. Again, I don't have a good sense of your characters because it's a different house, yeah. but I am enjoying the writing a lot in this game. Same. Actually, I mean, I'm enjoying, like, you still can interact with everyone, so, like... There are definitely a few that I've Yeah, been, but like, why would I waste time at the dinner table with like some I guess I guess one thing that's not clear in the game that I read in a wiki mm-hmm. in the, is that uh so you just, you know, every time you talk to someone, spam recruit and just see if like you got it up enough. I managed to recruit one person. Uh-huh. Um not someone I wanted. They're just the only one that would <laughs> join my house because I haven't gotten the stats up. Right. But I guess what, if you if you get your support level up with a character, you can then reduce the barrier to entry for recruiting them. Huh. So like if someone is saying, hey, I'll only join if you get like magic up and heavy armor up, I guess you can kind of bribe them with gifts um, and then they won't demand as much. I wish that mm. stuff, I I don't like how it's structured. Like I, th- I think it's a really boring, bland way to have you interact with the other houses in which I wish there were more, I, I wish there was a different, I wish, I don't like the recruitment like mechanic. Mm. I think in a game that is built around social structures and like social interactions, I I I wish the way that I was going about recruiting or trying to recruit was not okay, here's the character cuz like one way you can do it is like identify the lineup. And even though each house is like pretty well balanced, like like the uh Black Eagles are like tilted towards magic, right? And then other places are tilted toward like archery and then i think like the what is it blue lines are kind of like balanced between the the two of those or something like that but you can sort of you know you can reclass people and it really is sort of meaningless but on some level you can either like identify a character who would bring like a balance to your team and or you just want like a cool personality that you don't want to fight later when the game does the time jump i wish it was wasn't just okay i want this character and they like heavy armor so i need to invest in heavy armor from my main characters so that I can recruit them. I wish it was actually me doing, jumping through more interesting hoops to get sure. them on my mm. team. Like maybe I had to do something in battle, like give me a victory condition that's like super weird or something. Or like, I just don't, I, I, I think it should be way more fun to try and recruit people onto my squad. And the way it's set up just feels like I'm fighting a weird invisible stat sheet. And it's, it just runs counter to the, sheer joy I'm having at all the other interactions that are taking up honestly way more of my time than the combat is Mm. at least so far yeah I mean I don't know I feel like I kind of I can kind of see what they were going for with the like this is someone who shares interests but like the only way to like really that they've they wanted to codify that has to do with the your your specific stats which I don't know I feel like it could have expand even if, even if it's the same thing and they expanded it out to other people in your house it's like oh like there's other people like me as part of that group maybe I'll go join them might have been a little because I, I feel like forcing I, it on your like, like, one I wish, like, I wish, or, for, forcing it on your one character just means that you're like you're there's only there's only so many that you can get and it can well because you're you're, you're and it may and it may character. run contrary to the character build that you right, want exactly for even if the character so it's like you run into a, a character that you want but it's like well the person that I'm playing this main character 
they don't need heavy armor. Right. Like that's not the the build I'm doing. But the only way to get that, and I just don't find mm. that to be like a particularly interesting trade off. Like the way for people who aren't playing, like there are various activities you can do that don't cost anything, and then there are activities that cost like uh, activity points basically. Um, and as you level up your professor level, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> different bars that are going up. You don't have to worry about them too much. It all sounds way more complicated. It's super stressful up front, and then it just becomes clear you don't really have to worry about that stuff as much. But what I wish was true, Kato, is that if I wanted to recruit someone, then make me sacrifice activity points to spend time with them. Yeah. And that, like, that was the way that's like, look, if you want this person, well, it means you're not going to go on a meal with, like, two other characters, get their motivation up so that you can increase their stats. Like, Make the sacrifice that you're making against the like building up parts of your team instead of like blindly investing in stats and hoping it goes up enough that you can recruit and then ignore it and then move on to recruit. I don't know. It's right. just I'm just I find myself very unsatisfying with the system, given that it's a game about talking to characters and like interacting with them. And at this point, I feel like what's probably going to happen, or at least that the the attitude I'm taking right now is like. I'm just going to upgrade the stats of my character how I want, spam recruit, and if anyone joins, great, and if they don't, ah, like it just, like that's sort of the attitude I have right now. Yeah, same. I mean, I was, I'm, I'm, there's like a couple that I would love to have on my team, but I don't. Yeah, if if ultimately the only way to get those down is to go down that specific path, I might not end up doing it. Um. Yeah, I guess maybe maybe like I should figure out do some research on like when the jump happens and then just identify one. Like if there's like a character that I think is really interesting or be like personality-wise to have on the team because I don't give a shit about like the actual attributes of the characters. I feel like I can manage that on my own team right. like just fine. Um and the game seems balanced enough that that's not really like you you don't have teams that like boy, if you don't recruit someone with X thing like you're just gonna at some point hit a roadblock it's just not how the game is built um but so just maybe identifying one or two characters is like oh they'd be they seem interesting i'd love to see what their interactions were with the people in my squad like maybe that's what i should do is just just like identify one or two of them spend one of those months grinding those stats or finding the most effective looking up a wiki that's like (laughs) how to recruit most effectively (laughs) and just like just doing the bare minimum uh, so I can get them on on my team. Yeah. Do you do you have any? Uh, you said you already recruited someone, right? Yeah. One, not hmm, Ferdinand, maybe. I don't know. Something do else. You, well, he has red hair. He has a lance, and I don't have any lancers, so he was he was welcomed. Red hair. Is he is so? Is that is that the is is he the womanizing asshole? Uh-oh. I think so. It might be. <laughs> Uh, do you have any? So, what, like, around where were your stats? I'm, trying, I'm gonna look, I'm gonna look it up because I don't know what the stand. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's reflective of a a problematic house that I appear to be running, in which uh, you're not the only one though. Uh, Janine Hawkins, uh, bleeding heart on Twitter, mm-hmm. posted this thing, which basically got me to buy the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had been playing Fire Emblem for less than an hour when I fucked up and recruited that horny redhead. I didn't think he'd say yes, but he did. Now I have two redheads, one who is polite and one who is horny. And you must solve their riddle. Wow. I, that, you know what? If Janine just like accidentally recruited, she was probably doing the same thing that I did of just spamming recruit. Um, I'm pulling up my 
save now. Because, yeah, I think you're right. I haven't had many interactions with him. I've just been putting him in danger and letting his lance <laughs> uh, fuck people yeah. up and, like, taking taking damage. Good. But, uh, yeah, it's got to be the case that he must have, like, really Very low. low. Um, like, I wish, I just wish they would surface that bit of information of, like, what level you're even trying to aim for. Because sometimes mm. it feels like... Yeah, look, this game is full of bars. Yeah, let me like, know what the, I know. It's okay if you added three more. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Wow. Um, but it's still fun. All right. Well, I'm letting this load. I'll, I'll see if that's uh, uh, it's probably it's probably the horny toad. It's probably that the horny doofus toad. on my Good. great Red on my team. Lance. Yeah. Well, honestly, I feel like I'm running a horny house, but mm-hmm. no one's having sex. <laughs> like like these. Students need to relieve themselves in some way, and I don't know how they need to do it, but tensions are running hot. Everyone is yelling at each other. They're doing very well on the battlefield, but clearly that is not enough. (laughs) The battlefield is not not settling things. It's only like, look, I'm telling them, hey, maybe you should go and pick grass or vegetables or whatever is one of those like teamwork teamwork options you have in the game. Doesn't seem to be helping things. Um, So I don't know. I'll... Update everyone on my um, house horny when... Uh, when Great. They, I always wondered like, what the principal in The Magicians was like in his off hours, but I think now I know. Yep. <laughs> you know his life. You know his whole life. Yeah. Yep. It's like, damn, these uh, kids just need to get down. God yeah. damn it. Yeah. You know, the, and it's not coming up as a dialogue option. Yeah. You know, Nintendo has to run this fine line where they, everything's got to be innuendo instead of just, come on, like, we know what's up. <laughs> we, we know what needs to be taken care of. Uh... Kato, you also have been playing uh, the new uh, Smash character. Yeah. Just, it's just called Hero, Hero, right? Like the main character from yes. uh, the most recent sandwich. Dragon Quest. Um, uh-huh. It's actually four different Dragon Quests. I forget which oh. numbers they are, but it, like the default is they're all. It's basically skins, though. But yeah, it's okay. a very interesting character. Uh, the big like immediate differences are you've got an MP bar for your specials. So it's like you're casting magic in a Dragon Quest game. You also have uh, the down special move is a menu that pops up that gives you a random set of four magic skill for four magic skills that are from Dragon Quest that you can use that range from make your next hit a one hit KO to put the other enemies to sleep. But it's also while you're in the menu, you cannot you can't move, um, and it's actually surprisingly good in a way that I feel like maybe we'll get nerfed soon Um, because oftentimes, like, I think the the thing is they're thinking, well, you have to stop moving in order to use the menu so we can kind of make these things a little overpowered. Also, they're going to take a bunch of your MP, which means you can't spam them too much. However, uh, if you just hit down B and then immediately select whatever is first, odds are it's going to be good. Yeah. It's gonna like do do a very good thing and you won't really have to worry about it. And it's just kind of like, let's throw it out and see what happens. It's more like a random element than like, oh, you have to stop and choose, I think, is the way it's just playing right. out because that that uh, there are times when like you toss someone off and if you're not gonna chase them down midair, you could wait on the ledge and like take your time to choose off the menu. But most of the times in the fight it it feels like all right, let's just see what this does. It's gonna be great either way, probably. <laughs> Sometimes you'll get uh you'll get heal, which is not good actually. Like 
it'll it, heal the other person no the it other. heals you but like it only heals a few things okay. and it, especially if what you're expecting is some sort of attack to interrupt whatever is incoming and then you're just like heal and then you get hit for something worse so it doesn't <laughs> even matter that you heal <laughs> yeah um but uh very fun though like it's a really interesting um there's also also uh uh, alongside the MP bar, you can actually charge up the special attacks that basically does... Uh, Dragon Quest does the same thing as like um, Final Fantasy where there's like a fire, fire, a fire, a ga, or whatever, you know? There's different levels mm-hmm. of the same type of spell. And you can do each level of spell in this by charging up the, the different special attacks and they'll use more of that MP bar. So, you know, managing the MP bar and get, having the random element of the the, the, the command menu is uh, really neat. Um, they've done a really great job of kind of differentiating these these DLC characters in interesting ways that are, like, very much like, this is the first time any character has played this way, really, mm. in a Smash. So, it's very experimental. Yeah. Which is neat, yeah, super neat, and like I think it's it's it, they're doing a really good job with the the DLC characters so far, which is great. Nice, cool. All right, well, that's uh, Hero and Smash Brothers. Yeah. Uh, Rob, we we didn't get a chance uh, earlier this week because your computer. Did you fix your computer? Is your computer sick? Still? We're working on. We will see. Like <laughs> we'll <laughs> we'll stress test it this weekend. We'll see how it uh-huh. does. Okay. Uh, I'm happy to take you on a board gaming journey, Uh, but also I did talk for like 15 minutes about the Clancyverse. (laughs) So like, if you want to say like, we've got a good amount of podcast here, we can save that content for later. That's fair. And Austin's not here who can speak more to to board games than like, well, do you want to give people, is there one you'd recommend? Even if we're not going to do a deep dive on the design today, is there one that you would have talked about that at least like for the, you know. Until because probably you know, the coolest we won't have pod game, till. yeah, the coolest game that I played in the last week. Um, maybe not my favorite game, but just like the most simple, straightforward sit down play with anyone is a game by Reiner Knizia called Modern Art, mm, and okay. it is a bidding game. But it is a bidding game where the value of so you're bidding on like modernist paintings. Uh, Kato, you'd find this Good. hilarious, yeah, this because great. it's all. It's all very, um, it's all very like inspired by the most modish of <laughs> uh, wow. like the art world in the nineties. Great, and so you're like trading artists like crypto, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Good. so characters like that, uh, Christian P. Oh, uh, just only that. What's his last? What, what's their last name? Who knows? It's just Christian. <laughs> P. Don't need to know it. Yeah, uh, but. You all get hands of art. You're all like auctioneer. You're all dealers, basically. Mm-hmm. And it, as the action goes around the table, you all get to play. You all get to place a painting in the middle and commence bidding. And the, the bids follow different uh, styles. Some are blind bids where you just sit there with like your fists closed around your, your tokens. And mm-hmm. then you reveal what you're bidding uh, simultaneously. Others are very traditional good. like. You know, I see your 30,000 and I'll go to 35. But the cool thing is only the three most popular artists have any like value right. at the end of the round. So once an, once an artist has been sold four times, when their fifth painting hits the market, the fifth painting doesn't sell, the round is immediately over. 
And then you score up who who bought what and who was holding what. And so the market is kind of created by players. It's not like you go to the scoring table and like, ah, I have a hand that's worth this. It is these, this was the hottest artist in this round of bidding. They are worth this much. If you bought, if you tried to make like, if you tried to make fetch happen, basically, right, <laughs> and you bought two paintings of this artist and auctioned another, but somehow didn't end up, somehow that person didn't crack the top three in that round. That's that's nothing. That money you spent is wasted. Oof. It's lost. It's garbage. Uh, the other funny thing is, it goes four rounds. Uh, the value stacks. So if a artist is popular for two rounds in a row the value begins to stack. Mm. So they were worth 30,000 in round one. Now they're worth 10,000 round two because they finished, uh, they, they finished in third place. Well, actually they're not worth 10,000. They're worth 40,000. Mm. And so there's kind of incentive to try and make these plays on these sort of hot artists. Hey, it's just like but, real art world. I know. Huh? <laughs> yeah. This, this is, this is exactly <laughs> it, man. It's like the pain, the game's entire assumption is, None of these things have any inherent value. It right. is just about perception. Nobody yeah. knows what the worth of any of these things is. Yep. It is simply, what do I have to sell and can I generate buzz about it? And the other dealers are kind of working with you and against you because they're also like, you know, oh, he just played a crypto. I'm also sitting on a crypto. Let's see if we can start pushing the value up on these. And suddenly everyone is starting to like, uh, group think their way into the crypto business, which yeah. I guess is the real world too. But yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's it's really nifty because when some when uh, when my host told me that it was an auction game, but like the scoring wasn't set in advance, that it would sort of be determined by how we bid. I didn't see how it work. It's really straightforward and elegant, and it's really suspenseful because there's so much guessing about intentions and right. what you think is going to happen in the market uh, that it took probably five minutes to learn and instantly became probably my favorite game of the weekend. And nice. I can't stop thinking about it. Does uh, does what you paid oh, yeah. for it come into play at all as far as um, setting <clears throat> future prices? Or is that just based off popularity? No, uh, so it's only so. I guess the way I would put it is when you are when you put a painting up for auction, you also have the option of buying it. But you you sort of begin as a dealer, right? You're just right. a clearinghouse. So like paintings in your hand, you don't really own them. You are just the person setting up the sale. Yeah. But you do have a pool of cash with which to bid on. Uh, you can buy your own item that you you put up for sale. Um. So where it comes in is. Did you make smart plays? Like, right, did right. you did you turn a profit on the paintings? Sometimes you can end up upside down on something where you thought, oh, I really thought that was going to finish in the top two this round, and therefore it would have been worth fifty thousand. So I bought two of those paintings uh, for you know ninety thousand, and I would have I would have made a ten thousand profit at the mm. end if that had panned out, but that play didn't work. And so I overpaid and I lost money. Right. And at the end, it's just who has the largest stacks of cash. Right. Yep. <laughs> yes. Like in most cases. As in life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
but no, I think really it's great. it's incredible because like there's so many there's so many Euro games. Like I think we talked about this the other week. Where like when I play a game like Coimbra, mm. I'm sitting there and just desperately trying to wrap my brain around it. Yeah, here instantly I kind of got it, and it makes such perfect sense with the theme, right? When right, you realize totally. that, like, yeah. yeah then, no, it's not like, oh, I you, you got to collect them all. You absolutely don't. No. <laughs> you, no. you don't at all. Uh, you, what you have to do is create a perception of value. Yep. Yeah. And also read probably what the market is going to do. Right. Or be convincing enough to other people that you can just set what the market's going to do because, you know. Yeah. Right. And what game is that again? Uh, Modern Art. Modern, Modern art. Modern. Oh. Uh, I guess the last thing we'll mention before we uh, get out of here is, uh, <laughs> you know, we joked, Rob, uh, and the whole reason we did a, pod- a podcast about an offseason is that we don't get things like trades and signings in video games. And yet, and yet, uh, <laughs> Ninja, the basically the biggest thing on Twitch, I don't know if that's still true, but he's certainly one of the... Um, for a long while was uh, the the biggest streamer in the world and I think maybe settled down at just one of the biggest streamers depending on the day and depending on the time. Um, but certainly like one of the most popular, especially with uh, uh, kids. Um, yeah. Ninja was uh, has announced uh, earlier this week uh, that he is leaving Twitch entirely. Uh, going, He signed a, uh, a deal with Mixer, um, with the details of which are not available, but yeah. clearly was for money. Um, <laughs> yep. Cecilia over at Kotaku, I mentioned in her That's piece that... Industry insights from Patrick Klobuchar. <laughs> so the details uh, are still... Get. We don't know what deals were inked uh, mm-hmm. on the term but sheet. Money? But money? Money. Safe bet that money was part of it, Rob. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Cecilia Kotaku in her piece mentioned that uh, Microsoft has been in the past offering $1 million deals for people to switch over to Mixer. Presumably... Uh, Ninja's deal was for more than a million and probably less than the one billion tweet that was going <laughs> around. So yeah. somewhere between one million and one billion. This is the killer analysis you come to an informed <laughs> season reporter like Patrick Klovick is. So we're uh, we're hearing some somewhere between one million and one billion. Uh, we'll let you know. We report. You decide. Uh, figure it out for yourselves. Um, but I th- the notion that. Um, Microsoft is paying uh, sums of money to, in this one at least, you know, they, it was a lot of money, presumably. Like, you know, my, this is not informed. My guest tells me, you know, what, what, somewhere between, what, 20 and $50 million? Like, wouldn't be like a crazy amount of money to suspect. That was the like, guess I made yesterday, yeah. Um, uh, and again, completely uninformed. That's just me, like, idly speculating. But um, yeah, like, uh, it's. It's wild. It's it's a different world. Uh, I don't I don't know what that means for Ninja as a broadcaster. I don't know what it means for Mixer as a platform. But just the notion <laughs> just that got a bunch of new users. That's what sort of, that means. Yeah, right. At least. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it helps Mixer regard like like yeah. Mixer from I've never used Mixer. From what I understand, it is a like really well designed service. There's a reason that Microsoft bought it. Um, one of its early claims to fame was that it had the least latency between like chat and uh being like streamer and people and viewer um but it's otherwise just seen as like a just a really competent service that is a little more responsive to its users and its streamers uh relative to something like twitch um 
does that change when Mixer scales and is dealing with, you know, people at a viewers at a scale that it is not before? Like, I'll be curious to see what happens. Mostly just, man, like Ninja, stop streaming 14 hours a day, man. Like, you got Jesus. your money. Like, I don't know what's in those contract details, but it's just like you reading profiles about that guy. Um, you know, money's great, right? But like the life he lives sounds fucking hellish. Yeah. Um, and it is hard to tell how much of that is, uh, like he's already said he's made he was you know was making like six figures a month you know like making a, like Good enough six money figures. like I think yeah. the, the I yeah think like, he ballparked at five hundred k when he was at his height yeah and it's like so you already have enough money for you your kids your kids kids your kids 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 like like what like I just the mentality the streaming mentality this culture around streaming in which um, the way these algorithms work the way audiences work is that well if you don't stream they go somewhere mm-hmm. else. And it's like, okay, so I wonder if by choosing to go to Mixer, by on some level you're, 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 you're acknowledging you're going to lose potentially a significant fraction of your audience, right? Mm-hmm. Like some people will come, others will filter out to other streamers. Um, does that mean like, all right, like I'm not saying it's suddenly going to go to like a nine to five uh, uh, sort of uh, situation, but man, it'd be nice to see someone who's in that position who is now financially completely comfortable to be like, I'm just going to like stream like a normal person like would so that I don't like totally lose, uh, lose my mind over it. I don't, yeah. I don't know if that'll happen, but I don't like, I would, I would like to see someone who like Ninja who has said like he wants to be like reflect like good values, which includes not streaming. Uh, with yeah, for some reason. Say. Um, <laughs> Uh-huh. Right, so I'm not saying that he is the you yeah, know yeah. The, the the ideal of, of virtue, but um, it would be nice that like in a switch like this, if if at the very least, just like stream normal like working hours and just like once you're financially set, like why do you need to do the 14 hours? I well, there's know, I mean so. there's the rub, right? Like what Microsoft could offer in part was security. That that five hundred thousand a month that he was making off Twitch revenue wouldn't immediately go away if he takes a night off, right? Like that he wouldn't like be materially damaging that that income if he begins changing how work and life are balanced. But the rub is that for this deal to actually make sense for Microsoft, do needs to stream a lot. Like he needs to be right. up on Mixer a lot and doing stuff there to bring people over and keep them there. Um, I think because I think the right off the right off right out of the gate, uh, he's losing audience almost certainly. Uh, so probably yeah. because one of the at big, least half, right? Like the, I would I would assume he's going to lose at least half. Yeah, I mean I think he has a lot of people who are legitimate fans of his, but I think there's a big question mark over how many of them are fans of Ninja so much that like where is Ninja streaming? I must find Ninja <laughs> versus how much are fans of. Oh, I'm opening up Twitch because that's what I do. Ninja streaming, he's my favorite. I'll watch him. Those are two very different modes of behavior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And probably a good number of people. I mean, the whole the whole reason YouTubers and streamers talk about the audience disappearing the moment there's a disruption is because the audience isn't loyal to the creator. The audience is loyal to the platform. The audience right. is just consuming straight off the top of that platform. Uh, and so I think one of the big tests for this is going to be, I think it'll be really revealing 
both to see what he does for like the first three to six months of the steal over at Mixer, yeah. but then also check in how much is he streaming like a year and a day from now. Once it's settled. Mm-hmm. Right. Because mm-hmm. I, yeah. I think he's kicking this off at uh, Lollapalooza, which is a big music festival happening in Chicago uh, uh, right now. Um, and so like, yeah, it makes sense that he put out, so when he put out his video, his follow-up video said, uh, I need to go back to my streaming roots, which I don't know if that. <laughs> well, no, I mean, he was, a, he was a famous Halo like, yeah. right. oh. content creator. Like, right. And so like, in, in some ways, it, like, I wonder, like, I, I'd be so curious to see what like the con, the contract details, like how specific, like, do they mandate hours like right. what like what is the contractual or content, investment or games. for the I was about to say yeah. is he going to be playing the next Halo when it is comes he gonna, out he's probably part of their promotional Pro- oh, deal almost assuredly yeah, for that almost assuredly yeah a bit but on that level like if you think of marketing these days in which where it, let's say Halo Infinite has probably like almost an you know an infinite uh, <laughs> budget um because that's going to be the the flagship product for the new hardware platform yeah. it's like okay for the next year, because I know they said they're going to do like betas and stuff like that. Like there's, they're going to expose parts of the game prior to to launch and let people screw around with them. It's like, all right, if you're going to invest money, like, do you buy ads or do you buy Ninja streaming it for the next year in the lead up to launch? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's one thing. It's yes, it, you're paying a person, and like that's a different, that's a paradigm shift that like I think makes a lot of people understandably uncomfortable. But if you really just look at it as people don't buy billboards anymore, like. People buy billboards because that that's like a magazine cover. It's just what you do. Like, oh, that's what we've done. That's how you advertise. And it's like, well, really, maybe you just actually dump your money into a person. Yeah. And yeah. that's going to be a lot more effective. And so if Ninja is just, just effectively them buying a, you know, a year, they're renting someone to be a marketing vehicle who's safe, who is you know, yes, has said questionable things about like streaming with women, right. but you know, on the spectrum the of like popular yeah, streamers, um, you know, is a safer bet. Like, doesn't seem like Ninja's going to say the N word. You know, right? Probably not. Uh, um, well, fingers are crossed. <laughs> well, remember when he did some singing on stream? I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're so right. like, you're right. I mean, but but no, I get what you mean. There is a qualitative difference between the messiness that Ninja brings. And the messiness that, like, a doctor disrespect might mm-hmm. bring. And even yeah. then, you're still talking about, like, kind of top tier. Like, these are the safer bets you're going to find in in sort of the streaming <laughs> streaming space. Yeah. Like, I can just see, I can see myself just looking at the ROI on but, Ninja being like, that's a really safe way to spend $30 million. Well, versus, this was the yeah. thing I was thinking oh, yeah. about, though, is... My suspicion, like, I have the suspicion they ended up overpaying quite a bit because Probably. the nature yeah. of these deals is that everything is a little bit overvalued but then to protect the illusion of value and to make these deals seem smart everyone has to pretend the value is even higher mm-hmm. and this this is like kind of we don't know what is at the heart of the streaming economy even that well we don't actually know what those views are worth um we have we like we have ad ecosystems set up, but still a lot of this is speculative in terms of how profitable it's going to be down the road once all the injection of capital from the parent company kind of wraps up and it I mean, becomes sort of its own subscription numbers at least, right? Like 
Yeah. And they're cut from that. Yeah. Right. But like anything in terms of a company is selling ads against its own platform, I think. And then also is in charge because its own platform is also kind of in charge of what counts as views and what the numbers actually are. Mm -hmm. I think at that point you begin moving more and more into black box territory. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we know that there's value in that box, but how much remains kind of an open, open question. Yeah. Um, and I think Mixer's kind of in a similar, I think Mixer's kind of in a similar place where Mixer wants to be a viable competitor in the streaming ecosystem, but how profitable, how profitable is it even to be like basically the monopolist in that space? Yeah. What is it, what does it mean to be the second most popular in that space? And what is that, like, what does that actually work out in terms of value and how much can one one guy ninja do for that how much i think these are all major do? questions <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah well especially like you know if we this isn't proven or reported but if we i think it is a decent hypothesis that the reason places like twitch are very forgiving of folks like dr disrespect even when they more or less committed a crime in like yeah. <laughs> uh filming people in the bathroom and then they come back two weeks later or whatever, like his temp ban was, is that reflective of a extremely top heavy 1% driving the profits of a company that, uh, that without your doctor disrespects, without your ninjas, like your lower level streamers who are getting their friends to watch their bandwidth costs and even probably higher level streamers that are getting thousands, but don't actually help Twitch turn a profit. They only exist because these top heavy ones exist. Like, what does that mean for like the, the, I think these are like the unanswered questions that like you're speaking to Rob of like, what are they worth? And like when you remove one big piece, I mean, we'll say to, you know, Twitch seemed to be caught off guard um, to some degree. Uh, and then also is extremely petty. They took away his check mark the moment this got announced. Oh, that's a, like just straight up. That's a, that's a thing though for partnerships specifically. Which means if he's exclusive, right. he's no I know, longer but a like, partner. Right, but you can be partners on multiple services. Like, there's yeah. not like, yes, he signed. I'm just saying he didn't sign any exclusive deal with Twitch. No, it's but just, he signed it's an just exclusive kind of funny. deal with Mixer. Right, but then like, someone has to go into the back end and be like, "Man, take away his fucking <laughs> check yeah, exactly. mark." Exactly. Like it doesn't do any. Like it doesn't change anything. It's just like a weird UI like bit to to change as like a it. It's just funny and petty. Like, yes, you're right. He did sign next. Like, he doesn't need that check mark anymore. Well, it's not the need. I, but I think he literally had to isn't go a partner anymore on Twitch at all. Right. No, I agree. Yeah. I'm just saying someone at Twitch had to go and be like, yeah, yeah go take right. that off. Take it down. <laughs> Immediately. Yeah. Take it down right now. Uh, yeah. And actually, possibly that was part of his Microsoft deal, too, is all that Twitch yeah, maybe. like stuff had like you can't be on Twitch at all, even even a vestigial presence. Um, <laughs> right. Or anything that implicates you have an ongoing relationship. Right. Uh, no keeping the keys to your old apartment. <laughs> well, but unless he deletes his account, unless he deletes his account, one of the Good advice so, for all of us yeah, uh, right? <laughs> is that so you have to manually turn off like your subscriptions and stuff like that. And so his account still existing. He has tens of thousands of subscribers, theoretically, 
Um, just because you are no longer partnered, I don't know if that necessarily like deactivates the. I'd be curious if that deactivates the subscriptions. Does that unlink yeah. it from the partner? Yeah, you need if partnership and affiliate. Then sure to to have subscriptions work. I get yeah. I'd be curious if that completely decouples it um, entirely and just like rips off all of those subscription band-aids and then those people because like for example like someone that does you know i do a little bit streaming myself like it's a funny to watch like when someone because i took stream i basically took a break from streaming for three years came back um for mario maker and it's like oh this person is subscribed for 48 months and it's like oh yeah because like their twitch prime like two dollars or whatever like has just been sitting there just going boop, 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 for month after month where I like remained a partner, but I just wasn't doing anything for three years. Um, and so I'm just, I'm just, I don't know. I, I, yeah, you might be right, Kato, that like part of them decoupling that is actually saying, fuck you, like you're not going to make any money off of us anymore either. But I don't know if that's actually how the mechanics of Twitch This work. is the most brutal way to put it, but as we were talking about that, I, I thought – an awful framing for this is good. Uh, he deleted his account and went to Mixer for a private. Ah! <laughs> Which is hopefully not how that deal well. works out. <laughs> well, uh, but I, I do think it would be really silly if they were like, man, I'll bet there's great synergy here and we can get him like, hey, kids, ninja streaming Halo for the next month. Man, your favorite game to watch. Chat. Yeah. That would be like a corporate way to, I mean, to screw it up. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it I mean, would like, be because you know, the big thing is absolutely Fortnite. Most of those, most of those kids are not there because of Ninja first. It's Fortnite first, and he happens to be one of the. His best. numbers dives, like relatively speaking, when he plays anything other yeah. than. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I won't be surprised if it's somewhere in between, right? Where it's like he gets exclusive early yeah. access to some Halo Infinite multiplayer beta and he's out there playing that. But yeah, the idea that like I'm dropping Fortnite and only playing Halo. It's like, well, that would be hilarious. Man, he probably That'd made enough money. Who fucking cares, Halo right? Station. Like you, know, you, yeah. got four, <laughs> you got 30 million in the bank. Like, cool. Good. Um, Ninja's right, playing well, with the good. red versus blue gang. Oh, also, they're not even like a mixer app on like PS4 and stuff, right? It's only on Xbox, PC. There's probably a phone app. Um, yeah. God, it not that like the lack of a PS4 audience is like the biggest problem in the world, but I mean, mixer is a platform. Like it's it has a hardware lean um, that that Twitch Twitch does not. So I wonder if stuff like that'll change, or if that's also part of the overpay. Right? Is that look, we're actually going to artificially cap how many followers you could get because we don't exist on all the same platforms that that Twitch does. Um, it also seems, Rob, sort of like uh, Signing Ninja is like the team that has a lot of cap money and it's like, we just need to sign a overpay for yeah. a splashy free agent in the hopes that other people will come over and be like, oh, well, like they went there. Like, I got to get over there. Like, I will you be shocked if like post Ninja signing, a bunch of other like mid-tier streamers like also signed like some of these like smaller $1 million deals to be like, Yo, let's go get in while the money's hot. No, especially if you put like in the other programming block. Right. Like if if you right. adopt the well, we're gonna make this investment, but how do we keep people? How do we keep the show going twenty four hours? I could definitely see them looking at what were some like ninja adjacent personalities where there's a lot of like audience crossover. Uh, but yeah. just yeah, what can we do to fill like you almost approach it like building a twenty uh, four hour TV network 
in some ways. I, I could see that. I'd be really curious how it works out. Yeah. All right, well, we'll be following that and everything else in uh, the week's head. The final Ava podcast, You Monsters. I describe us. <sighs> I describe our audience. I describe Anno. I describe <laughs> all of it. You know I had all a, of it. You know I had um, an Evangelion nightmare last night. Oh what? My God. No, Please close us out on that, Rob. Take us take us home. No, man. It was like it was a very <laughs> vivid dream that like I was in Who were you? I was I was in Who a Who was there? Well, you know Gendo was. I was I was in <laughs> oh, a no. I was in a red line car in Boston. Yep. And then that fucked up red light like enveloped <laughs> oh, it. And Great. I was like, oh no. And then bam, Gendo was there. <laughs> And then he was Not like, good. I'm extremely disappointed in you <laughs> and produced a loaded pistol. And dude, no, I got murdered by Gendo in a dream last night. What? On a train. Yeah. On a train. Damn. Ooh. See? This it's is why we're not doing the rebirth movies. Don't get don't get your hopes up. Like, oh, they're gonna go. No, we're not. We're not doing those movies. Rob just had not, a dream where Gendo murdered him not, in a train. Mm, they're very different movies. Kato, I was told a great many things. <laughs> yeah, I heard a great many things. Uh huh. They're very, they're very and different. I feel movies. like they were incomplete. They were not necessarily <laughs> untrue, but they were incomplete. Yeah. No, I think that's and a I, fair I assessment. I badly wish I'd had that information in advance. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I could have made informed decisions. Look, mm-hmm. the uh-huh. end of uh, Ava's the lowest point in the Ava universe, including the rebuilds. That's all I said. Well, okay, below, okay, I can't say, say yeah. anything about four because four hasn't come out yet, but it's looking okay. Right. I was saying <laughs> the movie, the movie that is about that would be a retelling or a remix of End of Ava, the lowest yeah, point in the we're series. We're out of here. We're out, out of here. So let's reserve. Point. We're out of that. We're out of that realm in a way because of what has happened in those movies. Huh. Uh, your optimism is uh, <laughs> inspiring, Kato. Like, you've, you've gone through this multiple times and still... You're like, you know, maybe he'll get it right no, this time. Like, like, you know what? It's very different. Also, Shin Godzilla's fucking good. <laughs> it's really good and everyone just No one's still arguing that. No one's I'm not no one can take Shin Godzilla away from you. <laughs> the Ultraman movie, no one can take that away from you. Oh god. But I can take this podcast away from you. I'm stopping this Ava talk. It's turning into an Ava mini pod. Uh, you can send questions that we sometimes answer to gamingadvice.com <laughs> with the subject question. Uh you can follow us on Twitter at Waypoint, at Facebook at Waypoint Vice. You can follow uh, me at Patrick Klubik. Kato, where can people find you, your hope, <laughs> your Ava takes? At A underscore Kato underscore appears on Twitter. So Rob, if people want more details about the Clancy verse, <laughs> where do they go? Well, don't look for me in the L- LCL vat. That's oh! all I'm going to say. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at Rob Zachney. Ah, <sighs> Danielle, if people want MMA takes. You've been doing a lot yes. of MMA. Been writing a lot recently. about that lately. I've been I've been going, you know, all the way in. I focus so much on my watching habits on grappling for so long, and that's still where my training is. All pretty much all grappling, but uh, yeah, all of it, all combat sports at Danielle R I. 
Uh, thanks to Bowen uh, for the track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. You can find more about Bowen at waypoint.zone slash Bowen. That's going to... This is it for this week. Uh, no, right? This no, is yeah, this, Friday. this goes up on Monday. It does not do it for this yeah, week. Happy Monday, well, everyone. And it starts the no, week strong, guys. We, yeah, happy. <laughs> yeah, enjoy your week. Um, we don't know what the podcasting schedule is for. We we have some plans, but we're uh, let's because of the Kato being out, Austin coming back in. Um, set your expectations accordingly and set them low, <laughs> and then we'll attempt to uh, exceed them. Um, as as the week goes on, so uh, stay tuned, and maybe we'll be back. <laughs> be good and be good at it. Either way, <laughs> the waypoint way. <laughs> the waypoint way. way. <laughs> When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Do you have time? One second. At least it thinks I'm in Brooklyn today and not uh, Niagara Falls or wherever the fuck it thought I was the other day. That was weird. (laughs) That was very weird. No, don't worry. Time, time that is has got me. It's doxing me along inside this document. Yep, pretty Great. much. You right. are in <laughs> this house whenever. specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fucked up. Uh, should we do forty? Uh, Robbie, you ready? Yeah. Clap. Oh, I guess. All right. I guess I have to host this, huh? Yep. I was. You want to? Uh, you feel like I got. No, I got. I got. I just hadn't (laughs) gotten that far. (laughs) Oh, right. Let me open. So this is for Monday, right? This is for Monday. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mostly have Outer Worlds, but yeah. Monday the fifth. Places on the outside. Yes. Planets. Um, Outside planets. Is this actually 253 or would this be 254? This is 253. 253. I think. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, 253. Kata, what do you got? I've got... I played some more Fire Emblem. I played the new Smash... Hero. Oh, the new character? Yeah, hero. Hero? Yeah. Weird. Definitely just picture cool. a yeah. sandwich, the hero. The he- yeah. Which, good. That's how far. Uh, hero Rob? from Dragon Quest. Good. Um, 
Well, I didn't actually get to talk about that stuff from Board Game Weekend, so I can talk about that. Uh, I haven't okay. played that many video games this week. Board okay. Game Weekend. Board Games. More like B-O-R-E-D games. Oh. Wow. It's the first time anyone's ever said that. Wow. Wow. Okay, Kato. You know, just <laughs> double shade. That was I'm a double even, shade. It's pull. not even recorded. You know, this wasn't, you know, I say my good jokes for the podcast. I'm just trying out material here and you got to. Well, now you know. I'm giving you constructive feedback. It was a double shade um, pull. <laughs> okay. Everyone ready? Yes. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> wow, thanks, Kato. Appreciate, you know, I just want, you know, I like that you just took, like, oh, maybe he was waiting on everyone to say yes. And took a deep breath. Yeah. Made sure uh-huh. he was ready. All right. Okay. Three, two, one.